0: Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. You are listening to the first message in a brand new series called In My Feelings. Our hope over the next four weeks is that you can begin to win the battle within. Enjoy the message. Philippians chapter four, starting in verse four, it says this, it says, rejoice, In the Lord always, I'll say it again in case you didn't hear it, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, petition, and with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. How many of us want peace this morning? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We're so excited you guys could be here. We are in part one of a brand new series called In My Feelings, In My Feelings. How many of you guys uh, in this room have ever got a song stuck in your head before? I'm sure all of us, if we think about it, a song is stuck in our head before. Maybe it's from the radio, maybe from listening to uh, something on your phone. But all of us have had a song stuck in our heads before. Uh, For those who uh, have not got the pop culture reference, In My Feelings uh, is a song by an artist named Drake. And uh, it's actually quite a catchy song. And uh, for those, oh, we didn't even play the sermon trailer. Shoot it had uh, the instrumental. That's okay, we'll get it next week and the week after, the week after. It's a four-part series, so you guys will hear it. Uh, but it's a catchy song, and uh, for those of you guys who, who may have seen uh, this song, it spurred the In My Feelings challenge uh, where people got out of their cars and started dancing. And It's a very catchy song, and maybe some of you guys here, that song was stuck in your head. Uh, for those of you guys who, who don't know what it sounds like, I'm not going to sing it right now, but uh, it, just, it mentions something about Kiki and uh, her loving me. But uh, although uh, I love that song and other songs, uh, the purpose of this series is not to speak about music per se, uh, but it is to talk about soundtracks, to talk about soundtracks. Because I have this belief, and my belief is this, that every single one of us have a soundtrack that goes through our heads. Every single one of us has a soundtrack in our minds, whether that's voices or thoughts that shape who we are. And I don't mean this in a schizophrenic kind of way, but I think that every single one of us have a soundtrack in our minds. It's how we see the world. It's how we see ourselves. It's the voices in our heads. All of us have a soundtrack. And I have a belief that for a lot of us in this room, we've let the wrong soundtrack guide our lives. We've been listening to the wrong voices. We've been listening to the wrong things. And so what I want to do over the next four weeks is I want us to begin to learn how to win the biggest battle in our lives, and that's the battle within, the battle within. So over the next four weeks, what we're going to be doing is we are going to be looking at how we can begin to win the battle within, how we can begin to control our feelings so they don't control us. I don't know if uh, any of you guys have heard this before, but uh, most people I interact with, I've found that how they determine their lives uh, is often what they are feeling. Have you guys ever experienced this? Like you ask someone to do something or what are you guys doing today? What are you doing this weekend? And maybe you're trying to make plans and they'll just say something like, well, it just depends on what I'm feeling. Or you'll ask someone to go somewhere and they'll be like, I don't know. It depends if I'm feeling it or not. I will just have to see how I'm Feeling. And what I've seen is that a lot of people will govern their lives based on how they're feeling. I, I've seen this in my life before. Uh, I have a love hate relationship with the gym. Uh, I love to go there, but sometimes I just hate it. And, and over the last few months, I, I've kind of been struggling going to the gym because in my head, I know that I want to be there. Because exercise is good, makes you feel good, makes you look good. But just for the last like two, three months, I have just literally not. Felt it. I have not felt like going there, but somehow I, I've managed to get to the gym. But when I get there, I, I just I have not felt like working out. And so my family also—we all have the same gym membership at the same place. And a lot of times they'll see me just laying on this mat, and uh, I'm stretching. You guys, I tell you guys about my back problems all the time, right? And I, I, I'm stretching for the first five, ten minutes, but in the next ten minutes, I'm in my feelings. Because I'm just like, man, I don't know if I want to be here right now. Like, that's a lot of work to pick up a weight right now. I'm kind of tired. I'm kind of lazy. And then I'll go over to Chris. Like, she just got off work. And I'm like, Chris, let's just get out of here. She's like, I just got here. Get away from me. You're the worst. Because the problem is this. (laughs) I I want to be there. I know I should be there. I just don't feel like being there made my feelings and one thing that I've seen is that we live in a culture that is dominated by feelings what culture tells us is what you feel you should do if you feel like something do it if you don't feel like something don't do it and that's that's the predominant view that most people have we live in a culture that's dominated by feelings it's bachelor season how many of you guys watch the bachelor I'm so proud of myself I have not watched the second of this season because I hate the bachelor come on Clap your hands. I've not watched a second of Colton and his love journey. Because here's my problem with The Bachelor. The Bachelor gives the worst advice in the entire world. And I know like 90% of our audience watches The Bachelor here. But it gives the worst advice because what Chris Harrison or whoever else will say, they'll say, you know what you need to do? You just need to follow your heart. Just follow your heart. Go wherever your heart leads, and then you'll be happy. I'm not going to share with you guys the breakup rate of bachelors because it might depress you. But Chris Harrison says, follow your heart. And, And that's something that a lot of us have heard our whole lives. A lot of us, we grew up on Disney movies. And like the underlying thing in all Disney movies is like the Disney princess. Just follow your heart. Follow your heart. Do what you feel is right. And I think a lot of us, we have taken this to our hearts, and we live our lives based on what we feel. I read an article this week. Uh, it was kind of like a New Year's resolution article, and it was called, the article, the title was 10 Reasons That You Should Follow Your Heart, and it was written by someone. Uh, she has a PhD. She's a psycho- psychologist, and uh, she said, 10 reasons you should follow your heart. This is what she said. This was her first line in the whole article. She said, this year, it's, it's a New Year's resolution thing. She said, instead of setting practical, monetary, and professional goals, decide to make your goals for this year to follow your heart follow your heart this year. This is what she said. She said, the number one reason this year you should follow your heart is because when you follow your heart, you know that you are doing what you want it to do and therefore, you will never have any regrets. And I read this and I thought to myself, is this true? You guys need to understand something. Everything you read is not true. Everything you read is not true. Just because someone with a PhD says something doesn't make it True, I want you guys to think for a moment in your lives. Think of times you have followed your heart. Have you always been happy because you followed what you felt like you wanted to do? No, I think all of us, and the easy thing is look at a relationship. Just think about that relationship where you followed your heart and you felt it, but everyone around you was like, no, you probably shouldn't do that. And ask yourself, where did that lead me? But that's the easy one. But for a lot of us, maybe it's a business investment. Someone said, man, you can make so much money. Look how much you're going to make. Just follow your heart. Just do it. For some of us, maybe it's like dessert. It's like, man, I'm really feeling that second piece of cheesecake. Your feelings, they they told you, your heart said it's good. And this article, what it's saying is if you follow your heart, there will never be any regrets. But I think that if we were to examine and look at our lives and actually discern what what we feel, what we know to be true, we would realize that following your hearts oftentimes and many times do lead to regrets. And they do lead to disappointments. And so what I want us to do in this series is I want us to begin to win the battle within. Because I have a thesis, and my thesis is this, is that our feelings lie to us. Our feelings lie to us. We live in a world that says, follow your feelings, follow your heart, yet our feelings lie to us. And so over the next four weeks, I want us to begin to win this battle. And so here is a verse that we can easily memorize it's our title verse we're going to see it every single week in this series it's found in jeremiah 17 verse 9 this is what it says the phd says follow your heart this is what the bible says it says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it you guys like i came here to be encouraged The heart is deceitful among all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So what the Bible is telling us, he's saying our hearts, those feelings, those emotions, he says we can't trust it. We can't trust ourselves because deep down inside our heart is desperately wicked. And so this is what I believe happens. I think so many of us, we get caught in between what we want to do and what we actually do. We get caught in between what we want to do and what we actually do. And so for so many of us, we get stuck, we get caught in our feelings. And so next week specifically, I'm setting this series up. Next week, I really am going to hammer home into our feelings, how we can begin to control our emotions. This morning, what I want us to do is I want to give us three practical steps for, for us to begin to win the battle within. Three things that we can do today that will help us to begin to win the battle within. So we're going to be in the book of Philippians this morning, and it's, it's what we read at the start, Philippians chapter 4. And the book of Philippians, this was written uh, by a man named Paul. And for those of you guys uh, who are unfamiliar with the Bible, Philippians is a New Testament book. What New Testament means, it means it was in the time of Jesus. And so this New Testament book written by this man named Paul, Paul was a Christian missionary. And so what Paul would do, he would go around preaching about Jesus, teaching about Jesus, and oftentimes it would get him in trouble. And so this book of Philippians was written by this man named Paul. And Paul was in prison as he wrote this book. He was in prison for preaching Jesus. And so that's where we get the book of Philippians. And so the reason that I wanted to look at the the book of Philippians is because when you read this book from the beginning to the end. We're just taking a snippet today. But from beginning to end, what you will see is the book of Philippians is one of the most positive books in the entire Bible. It's one of the most positive books from the beginning to end. Paul is uplifting. Paul is encouraging and he's doing so from prison. He's doing so from a place where his praise would not necessarily have been predicted by those who would have seen him. Not a lot of us can praise in our prisons. And I meet so many people and they say, you know, the reason I'm like this, the reason that my feelings dominate me, the reason I'm so angry, the reason I'm so sad, the reason I'm so mad is because my circumstance constitutes me to be this way. I am just this way because of my life. I'm just this way because of circumstances. The reason I want to see what Paul says is because Paul is able to be encouraged. He's able to be uplifting in the midst of a prison. And so from the verses we're going to read today, Paul gives us three practical tips for us to begin to win the battle within. In verse 4, in the very first verse, it says rejoice. He says rejoice, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. But that is the end goal. That's where I want us to get to. But I don't think that we can get there unless we first see how Paul gets there. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to actually work backwards. We're going to go to the last verse, and and we're going to make our way back to the first verse. You guys remember math class? You had to work backwards to get to the solution? Some of you guys are like, don't bring me back. We're going to work backwards today because eventually I want us to all get to that point where we can say rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. So in verse 8, Paul says this. He says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I'm so glad there's a snowblower outside right now. It's helping us with the soundtrack here. What Paul is saying in this verse, he's saying the first thing that you want to do, if you want to begin to change, he says you need to fix your focus. He says, I need you to think about that which is pure. Think about that which is good. Think about that which is trustworthy. What Paul is saying here is fix your focus. And so, friends, here's the first thing we can do. We want to to begin to win the battle within. We have to choose our soundtrack. Choose your soundtrack. I have a question for you guys. How does a song get stuck in your head? It's when you listen to it over and over again, right? Right? And here's the crazy thing about songs getting stuck in your head. One thing I've realized is it does not matter if a song is good. It doesn't matter if you like the song. You can actually hate the song. What matters most is what you listen to. And the more you listen to something, eventually it'll get stuck in your head. I worked for a time at the Bottle Depot, uh, one of my favorite jobs. And uh, one thing that was always playing as I worked was 91.7 The Bounce. I don't know what it's called now. Is it? It's... KISS, 91.7. 91.7, The Bounce, used to play when I was working. And they would always play like the same five songs. And so I have one song ingrained in my brain from when I worked there. Uh, it was Selena Gomez, When You're Ready, Come and Get It. You guys know that song? Like, when you're ready, come and get it. I, I absolutely hated that song. I hated it, but it got stuck in my head because it was, it was on all the time. It was the, this continual and constant like nagging in my ear, but it got stuck in my head. And one thing I've realized about soundtracks is it doesn't matter if you like something, it doesn't matter if something is true, that which we hear the most will become the dominating voice in our lives. And for so many of us, the reason we have the wrong soundtrack in our lives is because perhaps We've been listening to the wrong voices. I remember uh, when I was in high school, one thing that I would always, uh, always do before bed, I had, I had this uh, routine. Uh, I had a portable DVD player when I was in high school. Anyone remember those things? You guys are like, I thought we just had laptops. <clears throat> what I would do every single night before bed, uh, I had this routine, is I would watch Seinfeld. I had every single season on DVD, some of you guys like watch Seinfeld, uh, it's the greatest sitcom of all time. Better than Friends, better than the Big Bang, better than whatever else you guys watch. Seinfeld's the number one show of all time. But I had this portable DVD player, and I had every single season of Seinfeld. And so I had this routine when I was in high school. I would start in season one, and I would watch all the way to season nine, then I would start again. Every single night before bed, one or two episodes at the most. I think I went through it about two or three times every single time and uh, it's funny and I'm not saying that Seinfeld is a bad show like I told you guys it's the number one show of all time but what I realized as I look back is that because I was listening and watching that show so much it became the dominating soundtrack of my life for those of you guys like you know me a little bit you'll know that I'm extremely funny and very witty you guys laughed but one thing I've realized is like a lot of what I find funny, a lot of like my humor, like it, it comes from that show. Like I'm kind of dry, I'm kind of Woody, and that's like straight Seinfeld. And so that's kind of the good things that left to me. But the more I watched that show, what I realized when I was in high school is that became, became the dominating soundtrack in my life. It formed my views on comedy, yes, but it did more than that. My views on life. My views on sex, my views on relationships, it changed because I was constantly watching this show because that which we put in eventually will come out. I have this belief that the soundtrack in our hearts is a byproduct of what we put in our heads. What we put in our hearts comes from what we've listened to. And so I have this motto in life, and I'm trying to change it, but it's anything for a good joke. Like, feelings do not matter. If a joke can come, like, you do it. You just go for the kill. And if you watch Seinfeld, like there's no emotion in that show. Like what's funny is because I rip on people a lot of times, like George, and I'll stop myself. But in my life, like I began to see, and I'm being dead serious, is that show became the soundtrack for my life, I and mean, it formed who I was. And I look at our culture and our world right now, and I know for a fact that so many of us are formed by what we put in. We're formed by the dominating voices in our lives. And so what I want to ask us this morning is what is the soundtrack of your life? What is the dominating voice in your life? And I know for a lot of us, it's TV. It's like whatever I watch on TV, whatever show I'm on, whatever Netflix original comes out, that's the soundtrack to my life. For so many of us, the very first thing we do, we wake up in the morning. What do we do? We look at our phones. We go on Instagram. We go on Facebook. We check our emails. We check our work emails. And what we are doing when we do that is we are saying, this is going to be the soundtrack for my day. This is going to be the soundtrack for my life. And so some of us say, well, what's what's the matter with that? What's the matter with that? Look, let's put the verse up again, Uh, verse 8. Paul says, whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is love, he says, think about these things. To think, Paul is saying, dwell on these things. Dwell on these things. You need to choose your soundtrack. I want to be honest with you guys. Why why do we need to choose our soundtrack? Why is this important? Because whatever we put most into us will eventually come out. And I think we live in a world right now, and you talk to people. I talk to so many people. It's very rare to talk to someone. You say, how's life? And they say, great. I'm doing fantastic. For so many people, it's like I'm stressed out. I'm weighed down. Like, my self-worth is low. Where does that come from? I think it comes from the soundtrack that we put in our heart. When we wake up every single morning, we check our work emails, what we're saying is work is the most important thing today. When we turn the news on first thing in the morning, we're saying current events are what's most important. That's why we're stressed out. Because what we put in will eventually come out. And so what Paul is saying, the very first thing he's saying to us, he's saying, I have to choose my soundtrack. You want to begin to win the battle within, you have to choose your soundtrack. It's a choice we have to make. And so choosing is the first thing. But here's the thing. If we just choose it, but we don't have any principles in place to protect it, it's not going to be long withstanding. So this is what Paul says uh, in verse 6. We're working backwards. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is what Paul is saying. He gives us the advice, he says, don't be anxious. He says, instead, pray. He says, give thanksgiving, be thankful. And he says, then you will guard your heart. So friends, we have to choose our soundtrack. That's the first thing. The second thing we have to do is we have to guard our heart. Because it's one thing to say, man, I'm going to choose today. I'm going to choose today to be more positive. I'm going to choose today to live with joy and to live with peace. But if we don't guard our hearts, and this is where emotions come in, if we don't guard our hearts, our decisions will not be long-lasting. I choose every day I want to go to the gym, but if I don't guard my feelings, I'm never going to actually work out. And so what God is saying to us, he's saying we need to guard our hearts. Jesus puts it like this in Matthew chapter 15, and he's agreeing with Paul. He says the things that come out of a person's mouth come from their hearts. And that's what defiles them. What Paul is saying, he's saying everything in your life, and what Jesus is saying, those words, how many of us have said, man, I don't have any worth? I don't feel pretty. I don't feel like I'm worth it. Man, my life sucks. I have anxiety. I have stress. What what Jesus is telling us is saying the words that come out of your mouth, he's saying those thoughts that you have, he says they're a direct result of what's in your heart. If you have garbage in your heart, What's going to come out is garbage. That's what Paul is saying. And so what we're trying to do, we're trying to guard our hearts. What does that look like? It's a simple principle. Jeremiah 17.9 says our hearts are deceitful. So if our heart is deceitful, we need to begin to train our heart and not live by emotion, but live by the things in our lives that are true, things that are trustworthy. That's why I'm a huge thing. I'm a huge component of what is the first thing you do when you wake up. What's the first thing that you do? And I think that this is like, this is cross culture. It doesn't matter if you're young or if you're old. But for so many of us, the first things we do in the morning fall into about three categories. We check our phones. We turn on the TV. We read the newspaper. We're just constantly filling ourselves with things first thing in the morning. I know everyone's not like that, but I think a large majority are like that. And so I'm a huge component of when you wake up, make sure the first thing that you do is do not look at your phone. You want to know why I'm like that? because I struggle with that immensely. Every single morning when I wake up, do you know what the voices in my head tell me? Do you know what my heart tells me? It says, look at your phone. And I've justified it and said, like, man, I, just, I really need the screen brightness to open my eyes <laughs> so, like, I can begin to live for real this time. Uh, and so, like, one thing that I've been doing is, like, I, I plug my phone far away, like, from myself, so I can't do it. And one time, Christy's like, why, why are you doing that? She's like, why don't you just not look at it? I'm weak. That's why. It's, it's a, because here's the thing. I, I'm caught between what I want to do and what I feel like doing, right? And so I want to do it, but I don't necessarily feel like doing it. And so I've realized that my feelings dominate me. And if I do not have principles in place to protect my feelings, to protect my heart, I go back to default mode. For so many ways, you're saying, well, what's, what's the big deal if I watch the news first thing in the morning? What's the big deal if I check my work email? Well, here's the thing. You are choosing your soundtrack for the day. When you say, I'm going to look at J-Lo and A-Rod first thing in the morning, what you're saying is, man, my life's not as good as theirs. Look at that private jet they're flying on. Look at that dress. Look at their Valentine's Day, and I'm here all alone. I looked at their Instagram this week, that's why. (laughs) I know what their lives. But it's the same thing. I know so many people, the first thing they do, like their morning devotion is the newspaper and you're wondering why you're so stressed out, why you have anxieties, because Trump has done something stupid again. Trudeau's acting a the fool. There's gender-neutral washrooms. Oh, my gosh, this is the end of the world. And we, we, we let these things dominate us, and our soundtrack becomes clouded. And so what Paul is saying, he's saying, we need to guard our hearts. It's crazy, I was thinking about it, the things that we put in place to protect ourselves. We have car insurance if we get in an accident. We have life insurance if we die. We have house insurance. There's laws that say if you're on a bike, you have to have a helmet on. You got to put a helmet on the head that was too stupid to realize they needed protection in the first place. We have all of these things, all of these principles in place, but the majority of us will go through life and we will never protect our hearts. We will never guard our hearts. We will never guard what we put into ourselves. I have a belief. This is what Paul is saying. And, and we're trying to get like Paul because Paul is living different from his circumstance. But look what Paul is saying. Paul is giving us principles. He says, man, with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, he says, be positive. Think on that which is pure, that which is good. And Paul is saying this in prison. And I have a belief. Because some of us might see this and say, well, Paul's an outlier. He was able to do that. I can't do that. I think that the reason that Paul is giving us us this advice is because this is something that he has lived personally. When he was in prison, I don't think his first inclination was to wake up every single morning, look at his four walls, and say, I'm so happy I'm here. There's no place I'd rather be. I can't wait to bring my scraps here so I can eat. I don't think that was his first inclination. Why? Because he's human. And us as humans, we have deceitful hearts. So I think what Paul realized, he said, if I do not choose my soundtrack for the day, if I do not guard my heart, what's going to come out is negativity. What's going to come out is anxiety. What's going to come out is pain. And so many of us, we've left our hearts unguarded because unless we have principles in place, we will inevitably fall. So we need to begin to put principles in place so that we can guard our hearts. I know so many people, so many people, they say, man, I can't even fall asleep at night. I have to put Netflix on in the background. Because if I'm left alone with my own thoughts, if I'm left alone with my own voices in my head, it's too much for me to even sleep. Our hearts have been unguarded, and so we've just distracted ourselves. we said, man, I can't even be alone with myself. I can't be alone in my feelings, because if I am, I don't want to see who I think I am. And so Paul is saying, he's saying you need to guard your heart, because what is in your heart will eventually come out. We are just the byproducts we put in. And so I want to give us some practical tips to win the battle within. I want us to give us some practical tips that we can begin to guard our hearts. Because, friends, an unguarded heart, I believe, will always go back to default mode, which is deceitful. I'm standing up here. You guys think I'm a pastor. Maybe I'm a really positive person. Uh, That's not me. I've realized if I do not guard my heart... I always go back to default mode. Some people are angels. Some people are perfect, like my wife. But that's just not me. I know, my guard, I know my heart unguarded, and it goes back to default mode. And so what we need to do, we need to put practical things in place to guard our hearts. And so here's a simple one, a super simple one. Let's try this. For every single negative thought that comes into our minds, you guys know what it's like when that thought shoots into your mind. Let's spit back two different things that we're thankful for. Two different things we like about ourselves. When that voice says, man, you are you are like, your life is, the, is terrible. Your life is the worst. Let's shoot back and say, I got a roof over my head. I drove in a car this morning. I was able to put on clothes this morning. I was able to walk, this, whatever it is. So many of us, we need to begin to change the equation. Because our equation has been negativity, negativity, negativity. I'm single, I'm alone, I'm miserable. I'm in an unhappy marriage, whatever it may be. And we fill ourselves with negativity and we never shoot back with positivity. And so it's just dominating our minds. And so what I want us to do is a simple practice. For every negative thought, let's shoot back with two positive thoughts. We're learning to fight here. It's a battle. It's a battle. The biggest battleground in our lives is not at work. It's not in your home. It's in your mind. And so we need to learn how to fight. Here's a super simple principle. Going to sleep, waking up in the morning. What's the first thing you do in the morning? What's the very first thing that you do? For myself, I had a resolution this year. Uh, I said, every single morning, I want to pray. I've always read, and reading comes easy to me, but prayer is harder. And so I said, every single morning this year, I'm going to pray. And so what I had to do, and what I do, is that every single morning, I set a timer for myself. And I say, this is the amount of time I have chosen to pray, and I'm going to pray. And the reason I have done that is because for the last seven years, every single time I have gone down to pray, I have never felt like it. I've never once felt like it. I've never once been like, man, I want to pray for 25 minutes right now. I'm just feeling it. And some of us are like, well, I don't want a relationship that, or if I'm not feeling it, I don't want to act on it. That's not cool. Come back next week, we're going to tear that lie apart. But I've realized if I leave myself unguarded, I just won't do it. And so I've set that timer and say, this is the time that I'm going to pray. And every single morning, without fail, before I, before I begin to pray, there's a voice in my head that says, I don't feel like doing this right now. I don't want to do this right now. But what I am doing, I'm saying, I'm guarding my heart. This is the timer. This is what I've set. This is what I'm going to do. For some of us, maybe it's just simple like before bed, I'm going to turn off that music I usually listen to. I'm not going to have Netflix in the background. I'm not going to have Orange is the New Black in the background. That's not going to be the soundtrack of my life. I'm going to pray. I'm going to listen. to. I'm going to do something that uplifts me, something that builds my spirit up. One thing growing up that my grandparents on both sides of my family would always say to us, and I don't think any of us ever got it, they said, memorize Bible verses. And we'd go there. They'd be like, hey, what Bible verses to you memorized?" And I'd be like, well, Genesis 1 verse 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That was because I didn't memorize anything nor read my Bible, and so it was really easy for me to say that one. But I never got it. I never understood why do they want us to memorize Bible verses. Like What what, what does it matter? What's the point of it? But it's funny, as you get older and and as as you go through life, you begin to see the wisdom in other people. And I've realized that the reason that we memorize Bible verses is because it's ammo in our battle. It's ammo in our minds. We need it. I've been trying to memorize a verse this week, Psalm Psalm 18, verse 2. I've been trying to memorize it this week because I need it. It says, the Lord is my strength, the Lord is my protection. My God is my self. I needed it. And so I'm trying to memorize it. There's a verse, friends, for every single one of us in this room. For whatever doubt you have in your head, for whatever you think about yourself that is, in, is not true, there's a verse that you need to memorize. If you're saying to yourself, God could never forgive me, God could never use me, I could never be good enough. Man, you need a verse. You need a verse that tells you that if we, forgive, if we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us. That needs to be the soundtrack of your heart. If you say I'm not worth it, I'm not worthy, you need to remember that God so loved the world that he died for you. We need to begin to change our soundtrack. Because this is what I'm saying, this is the underlying point I want us to bring home today is that the soundtrack in our hearts will always be a byproduct of what's in our heads. We can never think of ourselves contrary to what we put in ourselves. And so if we are filled with negativity, if we are filled with, with doubts about ourselves, doubts about our worth, that's what's going to be, that's what's going to come out. And so Paul is saying, he saying, choose your soundtrack and guard your heart. Simple principles we can put in place. I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you guys. Memorize a verse this week. Someone asked me last week, like, how do you know, how do you know so many Bible verses? And uh, I was like, I actually, like, I know a few, but a lot of times, like, if I need a verse, uh, I'll just, like, Google something. Like, Bible verse on Love. Bible verse on stress. You guys are like, I thought you are a pastor. I am. But I don't have the whole Bible memorized. But for us, just think, well, what is my downfall? What is the voice in my head that I hear? If you hear, like, I'm not worthy, like a couple Bible verse like on worthiness, you will find it. There's going to be something there for you. We need to guard our hearts because the soundtrack in our hearts is a byproduct of what we put in our heads. This is what Paul is teaching us. That's why he says, think whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is right, and to come before God with thanksgiving. And the last thing we can do in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all that the Lord is near. So friends, when we choose our soundtrack, when we guard our hearts, those are the first two things to winning the battle within. The last thing is super simple. It's just rejoice Constantly. Rejoice constantly. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying we need to rejoice constantly. Rejoicing needs to be a choice. It needs to be something that we choose every single morning. And can we go back to the verse for a second? I want us to see something. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all that the Lord is near. Get this. If you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, it's fine. But he says, the greatest mark of your, your, your spirituality, the greatest mark of your faith will be that you rejoice, that you are filled with joy. That's how people will know that you are a Christian. That's how people will know that the God is near, that the Lord is near. We just finished a five-part series, a five-part um, message series on the problem of God. And I gave us a lot of information and, and, and things that we can use if people want to debate or whatnot. But the Bible never tells us that knowledge is how people will know that you're a Christian. Never. He says your joy, your peace, your love, that is evidence that the Lord is near. That is evidence that God is near. The mark of Christianity is our joy. And that's why I'm doing this series, because I want every single one of us in this room, every single one of us that listens to this, that is a part of this series, we want you to begin to win the battle within. Because if you do that, people will know there's something different. There's something in their life. I'm wrapping up now. I just want to tell one last story so the band could come up. Two weeks ago, uh, my grandfather passed away, and uh, my grandma is still alive. And they've been married for 61 years. And uh, I was talking to my grandma uh, last week, and I just asked her how she was doing. I said, How are you doing? Because um, she'd lost her, her husband in 61 years, which is a long time. Um, and it was crazy, and it was remarkable. For those who, have, who know my grandma, or those who don't, uh, she is the most positive person you will ever meet, like ever. Like there's no one else. And I think the reason for that is because for the last 70 plus years, she has chosen the right soundtrack. She's dominated her mind. Like she, she owns that. And so I asked her. She lost her husband. I said, "How you doing?" And she said something to me, and it stuck out, and I couldn't believe it. She said, "Harrison, you know what?" She's like, "I'm sad." She's like, but all I can feel is an overwhelming peace. Like, That's all I can feel. I'm just, it's peace. And when I saw that, man, I just, like, I was so shocked. I, I couldn't even believe it. And the reason that I'm sharing us, sharing this story with us is because I have a belief that every single one of us can have that same peace. Every single one of us can have that same joy. Where our lives, it does not matter what's going on around us because what's inside me is stronger than what is outside of me. For so many of us, we've let the outside control our lives, but in this series we want to begin to win the inside because when we win on the inside then there's nothing on the outside that can shake us, we can be like my grandma who says, man, this is, this is terrible, I'm sad, I'm broken, I'm hurt, but I have peace and I have joy. and That's the mark of a Christian. That's what Paul is saying. And when I saw that, I was like, man, that's what, that's what I want to be like. That's what I want. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. We hope that message encouraged you to begin to win the battle within. If you want more information, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. You will find everything that you need and more. Take care.